All right, kids, welcome to Swing Thoughts. On this episode, golf spiritual leader going through another crisis, Coach Tim. You'll be fine. You'll be fine. Let me just do this. Just touch the hem of my garment. Let me just do this. On this episode, golf spiritual leader goes through a crisis. Coach Tim intervenes, as he often does, like a, a big, puffy awareness pillow. I thought it was just a shot of heroin. <laughs> There's that. Uh, also on this episode, we uh, connect with a golf madman in Calgary, Alberta. Crazy. That as soon as uh, I came across him and his teaching, I said to Tim, Oh, I found another nut, just like we. Like you and me. Like us. We. Us. Uh, it's Swing Thoughts, brought to you by TaylorMade, the number one driver in golf. Even though they you know, may have to uh, find somebody else to do their clothing, I guess. As well, Glenn Karen yeah, yeah. and uh, Clublink. There's never been a better time to join Clublink. Do you have a... Uh, you're Blue Springs, right? Yep. Have I ever shown you the? Uh, sc- I mean, I've asked you this on the show before. Have I ever shown you the scorecard from Glen Cairn? Yeah, it's cool. Yeah, the, with our logo. With on our it? logo on it. Yeah, man, I got dude. Well, you haven't shown it to me. Have I not shown it to you? No, she said, "Dude, like as if I'm the deficient one." No, no, there's no deficiency. Whoa, 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 <laughs> Coach Tim. <laughs> don't listen. Don't do me. <laughs> we already we got enough me. Okay, I'm already in crisis. All right, sorry, no, I'm a dude. Wanna... Like, I gotta, we gotta get a copy to them because it looks so cool. Yeah, on the uh, scorecard. In fact, I, I don't know if I told you this. A couple weeks ago, when we were doing our last show with Dr. Gabriel Wolf and Rebecca Luthwaite, Luth- yep. Um, I so loved that show, and I got so much out of it. I listened to it twice. Very good. So you're in the lead. Um, <laughs> So I, uh, but I, I rarely do this. I got up in front of everybody at men's night. There's about a hundred guys cool. and every week we, the pro gets up and goes, welcome to men's night brought to you by swing thoughts featuring humble and Tim. And I said to the pro before the announcement, I said, could I just get up and say something? He goes, oh, sure. Cool. And so I got up and I said, listen, nerds, I said, of all the shows we've done recently, I think this one, um, is would be of value, especially to everybody early in the season, just a different way of looking at things, external versus internal, because it really affected me. And, and, and we're going to talk a lot about that today with our guest, Ron. But it was really neat, and I got a lot of good feedback Far out. by basically going on and, and putting myself out there and saying, you know, if you're only going to listen to one show, if you've never heard our podcast before, this is a good one to start. And I had a lot of guys come up to me in the ensuing last 10 days or so saying, hey, I heard the show. And you were right. It was really fine. So kudos to you, uh, Coach uh, O'Connor, for uh, tracking her down. Because that was yep. a good get for us. Well, thank you. Um, it was a really good get. Yeah, I mean, I, thanks to Sean Clement for, for making that connection. But, um, yeah, Gabriel Wolf and Rebecca Luthwaite, you're talking the world, basically, the, the experts, the top in the world in terms of that the uh, the knowledge and the research that they've done and what they've been able to pull out of that work around the learning of how we how we learn motor skills and particular particularly as it applies to golf. I mean, they've done more than two hundred studies and uh, not just on golf, but on how we learn. And so, 
and and that work that she's done been embraced by people like uh, like Carl Morris, mm-hmm. uh, who we've talked about, and other and many other coaches. And I believe, and we're going to talk about this, is that part of her findings is the foundational work in what I think is a paradigm shift in how we're learning. And so much of what she's done. No, Fred Shoemaker doesn't. Uh, I you know. I, I'm a big fan, obviously, <laughs> but I think a lot of his work connects to what she's talking about, and we'll connect to that with with Ron as well. Well, I think what uh, she's done is she's put a sort of a scientific, oh, absolutely, twist on a lot of things that you and I have talked about since we met, you know, a few years ago. But some things that I've suspected separately and together with Tim uh, in terms of the shifting way of instruction in golf. If you're listening to this show, now obviously we like to talk about the mental side, but there's a real disconnect in golf between how it's taught physically, mentally, and how to enjoy it more. And it's kind of our raison d'etre here on the show is, I mean, really at the foundation, we're trying to make golf a a funner experience. Yeah, more fun, more freedom. Mm, So the people, yeah, they can take advantage of the natural skill. Like as a human being, you've got amazing talent, skill. And, and you develop skill, but just simply by being a human being, you have innate brilliance. But the approach that we take in golf from instruction as well, but also then we take onto the golf course that we must do this and that, move our body in this kind of way. And, you know, our expectations and all of our, our hopes and the way we beat the crap out of ourselves when we are unable to execute. That's, as I say, that it's not a way to have fun or have or you know enjoy ourselves at all so here's how this works usually tim comes to the studio and you've got a tim's got a a longer commute than i do obviously because my commute's 30 seconds from my (laughs) kitchen nice in my because the studio we record in is the humble he's a working at home guy that's right the humble and fred studios are in my townhouse in toronto and uh so a couple weeks ago i'm waiting for tim we were going to start I think we had a meeting scheduled prior to the Wolf interview, and you were in traffic, which is a super drag. I mean, 401. Where Tim lives is probably, I don't know, an hour's drive. Doesn't matter. It's about an hour to get here. But it's usually, on a bad day, it can be two and a half hours. Yeah. So this is by way of saying I was sitting here looking at some of the material with Dr. Wolf and Rebecca, and somehow or another, I got on to this guy, and I spent the hour that you were in traffic. Learning about somebody who, as soon as he started to talk, I watched his videos. I said, aha, I geek. I know this man. I know what he's all about. And then the more I've gotten to research him and, and some of the material that he's shared with Tim and I, the more I'm convinced you're really going to enjoy our uh, discussion this morning with uh, Ron Sisson of Calgary, Alberta. His uh, website is Real Swing Golf. And by way of introduction... And he'll explain the uh, reason he wanted this as his uh, intro music from uh, Real Swing Golf and uh, a real interesting character, Swing Thoughters. Say hello to Ron Sisson. Ron, welcome to the show. Thank you very much, Howard and Tim. I uh, really appreciate the chance to come on and talk with you guys. Um, When you sent me the email a couple of weeks ago uh, to to uh, request me coming on I, I thought well who are these guys so I got on uh, Tim's website uh, O'ConnorGolf.ca Dang. I think you'll get that right sooner or later Howard 
I will. <laughs> you know what? I, I, I will. I'm so internally focused during the show that I can't remember half the shit I'm supposed to. <laughs> Stay in the present I'm moment. I'm staying in the present moment. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so anyway, I started listening to your uh, podcast episodes. I've got a per- fairly uh, <clears throat> lengthy commute to the club where I work at, Elbow Springs Golf Club in Calgary. And uh, I must say, you guys are, are definitely on the cutting edge of uh, cutting through um, the the way that golf is thought of and the way that it's taught is if you just put all your body parts in exactly the right places, it's going to work better. And ironically enough, scientifically speaking, that's the very reason why golfers can't golf. And Ron, and t- tell you what, before we get into the mechanics, let's just be, we're let's, this is we got a long time. I just want to talk a little bit about who you are. Um, what your background is, um, and I certainly agree with what you're saying, but I, wanna, I don't want to get too far into that before we sort of start by saying that you were a guy, like a lot of us, you know, that wanted to be a good player, you know, availed yourself of the latest technology, worked hard at it, and at a certain point found out that the model of, and I, and I want to talk a little bit with Tim, too, about the paradigm shift in golf, which we've been talking about for a long time. The way that the instruction is, the model of instruction is broken. We all get that. And we'll talk about it with, with you, Ron. But give us a little background. Kind of put us in the, the space of where you were when you decided, okay, this way I'm doing this isn't working anymore. Yeah. Um, well, if I go back to the beginning, uh, I started golf when I was 10 years old. And I never had a lesson. I think I had one lesson um, for some reason. Are you still there? Yeah, I'm just getting a little bit of an echo back and forth. Not sure where that's coming from. No, it's gone now. Okay, great. Oh, I know where it came from because I turned the mics off there for a second. You want your headphones up or down? Down. A bit. Okay. Yeah. All right. Go ahead, Ron. Ron, you're doing great. Yeah, no problem. Uh, so when I was uh, when I was 10 years old, my dad took some some of his old set. He cut the grips off, cut them down a bit, put a skinnier grip on. Said, "Here's your golf clubs, Ron." Now, <clears throat> I'm uh, six foot one, and when I was a younger man, I was about 155 pounds. My dad was uh, six two and 145, so basically we were skeletons with skin. <laughs> <laughs> so picture this uh, little scrawny 10-year-old with this club that he, uh, his dad cut a little bit too long for him because he knew he'd grow into him, so he wouldn't have to buy any junior sets or anything like that. Smart dad. So. Essentially, what I've got is I've got this club. If you picture yourself as an adult holding on to a sledgehammer, uh, and it was all I could do to swing this sledgehammer up over my shoulder, hang on to it while it swung around me, and then try and make contact with the ball. Uh, I eventually developed a couple of critical skills that I'll, I'll outline a little bit later on. But but essentially, what happened was I was from the beginning externally focused. I didn't understand that terminology, but I was just basically trying to hit the ball with the club. Right. And the club was so heavy that it swung naturally on its own with a nice fluid rhythm. And I ended up developing the skill to make decent contact. About the only thing that I remember my dad telling me was just make a nice, easy swing, Ron. So I think that's how I developed the the natural fluidity and rhythm that my swing possesses. Um, And then I played a bunch of golf from age 10 to about age 14, 15. Then high school came along and and. summer jobs and that type of thing and so I didn't play a lot of golf after that until I started teaching golf at All Red Golf School back in the uh, January of 1986 was when I started there 
And I was actually hired originally to repair clubs and build component clubs that they used to build. And they were pretty busy. Uh, you know, back then, golf was just beginning its boom phase as the baby boomers uh, got older and got tired of trying to pretend they're Bjorn Borg running around the tennis courts and tennis kind of died out and golf came into vogue. And so I was, uh, they were, they had uh, a lot of demand for lessons and the three main instructors, uh, Marty, Scott, and Vance Allred were all filled up. So they saw that I had a decent swing. They said, well, why don't we get him teaching part-time? So they said, okay, teach him the grip, teach him this, tell him to turn their hips fast to create speed, go to it. That was basically my training. Uh, so Now, I appreciate the history, and I didn't think you were going back to age 10. This is kind of where I wanted to to get you once you were instructing golf is kind of where we should have picked this up and that's fine I, and I, we all had by the way every guy listening and of our age in their 50s their first set of clubs were their parents clubs cut down so you think about all these or grandpa. Ten, or, or grandpa but think about all these 10 to 12 and 13 year old canadian kids with triple x shafts exactly swinging Wait, like the anvil triple f shafts with mcgregor blades <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> remember we were. Well, I remember the first time I saw a set of pings. I went, "Well, that's got to be cheating. These are way too easy to hit." Yeah, McGregor blades. Like, well, what is it like? The sweet spot, the size of a mouse turd. No, it's hilarious because my <laughs> my dad had McGregor's. I think my first set of my own clubs were at Wilson Staff with that little dot in the heel. I couldn't hit it now. Of course, of course. So, Ron, my my, I guess what I was trying to get to, and that's great, is at some point you were teaching golf like everyone else taught golf, and then yeah, you had that- this epiphany. And it was probably about three months into my first year uh, because we had an eight-lesson series uh, back then with all reds, and we'd start off with two or three or four lessons on here's the grip, here's the stance. Now let's look at your swing on video, and let's point out why you don't look like whoever the model golfer was of that day, like maybe it was Weisskopf or whoever it was in the 80s, Steve Elkington, I think. Uh, But in any case, I had this beginner woman uh, and her adult daughter, I think she was, you know, 50-something. And so by the time we got to about lesson number six or seven, she would set up to the ball, and then she would stand there frozen. And I, I could see in her eyes, she, her eyes were sort of darting back and forth in a confused kind of a look. And she would literally take about a minute and a half to start her swing. So I'm standing there waiting, and then she'd finally hit it. <laughs> It'd be some useless result. And then I, I'm being a young green instructor. I don't know what's going on. So I asked her one time, I said, why are you taking so long to hit the ball? Yeah. And what she said changed my life. She said, I'm trying to remember all those things that you told me. I've done that. <laughs> so I went home. Uh, she and her daughter never got any better, as you may well suspect. Um, so I went home that night and I thought, well, I, I think I know what I'm doing as an instructor, but I, do I really know what I'm doing? And so I had the good fortune of being able to listen in on one of my mentors of the three Allred brothers. Uh, Vance Allred had some very radical ideas. And I started listening to what he was saying. Uh, there were, we were in a 10-foot uh, ceiling basement warehouse, and they had eight-foot partition walls with that old uh, paneling that you see in summer cabins, right, for walls. It's very tacky, very cheesy, but I was able to listen into Vance teaching, and he said stuff like this. Golf is a racket sport. It's hand-eye coordination. And then he would take the 
the face of the club and he'd rake his fingers across the scoring lines and say, see, see the strings? Mm-hmm. And when you swing, you want to get that club going fast and faster and faster. And the faster it goes, the better. And I'm thinking, what? Everybody says, just make a nice, easy swing. That's what my dad told me. So through listening to him, I began to get an idea that uh, people should be focused on just the club making contact with the ball. And over the years, my teaching methodology evolved as I had more experiences into what it is today, which basically can be summed up in 10 words. Uh, Two skills that every golfer learns instinctively without even really being aware. You, You talked earlier about how almost every scratch player or good player that you've talked to, if you ask them when they learned how to golf, when did they learn? Usually as a kid, right? And so the skills that we all kind of instinctively pick up are a swinging skill, which is five words, swing club head freely, fluidly, fast. You look at any golfer's swing, and they all swing the same way. And the other skill is strike ball with swinging club head, which seems to make good sense, but there's a problem with that second one. There's a couple of asterisks at the end of the statement. Now, you know what an asterisk means, right? Fine print at the bottom of the contract. And the fine print of strike ball with swing and club head is you have to strike the ball if you want really good shots dead on the center of the sweet spot. And you have approximately the thickness of a loony for variance if you still want pretty decent shots. Once you get to a quarter of an inch off the middle of the face, then you go, yeah, didn't hit it right. Three-eighths of an inch, uh, half an inch, uh uh-oh. And then, of course, three-quarters of an inch and more. It's what people like to call terrible shots so and then the other variable is not only do you have to hit it in the middle of the face you have to have the face come into the ball dead square contact and the club basically is going to go from pointing 90 degrees to your right presuming you're right-handed player to 90 degrees pointing to your left from waist high to waist high in the swing and that uh, club head is accelerating faster than a top fuel dragster can accelerate. So, Ron, so Ron, I'm just going to press pause here for a sec. So, right away, what you're talking about is the type—it's the type of stuff that makes golfers' heads swim. In terms of, oh my God, how can I do all this? All this, all this technical stuff. How do I possibly do it? In instruction, we hear that we have to do—we have to, you know, hinge our wrist, load up on the right side, fire our hips, all that stuff. So I know that's not your intention. I, in fact, your intention, I think, is the opposite thing: is like is to make golf more, to make it simpler. So how? So you talked about being hitting it square, being solid, and, and what you were just talking about. How is your approach different than the standard approach with all this information and trying to move our bodies in a certain way? This is the magic of it all. Uh, you talk about, uh, Tim, that we all have uh, brilliance, and Sean Clement talks about this as well. You see, the problem is that what you have to accomplish is, and this is, I, I bring this up at the very start when I'm teaching people, here's all you got to do to hit long straight shots. You got to whirl this stick around yourself in a 35, 40 foot circle, accelerating faster than a Ferrari. You got to hit it in the exact dead center of the club face, and the face has to be perfectly square as it moves like a Western swinging saloon door in two tenths of a second from waist high to waist high. And the club face has to be dead square or within a, a quarter to a half a degree of dead square to hit it relatively straight with just a little fade or draw. When you're one degree open or closed at impact, your ball is going to 
have a bigger draw or fade than you'd like and you're a little farther away from your targets. You might have a 25, 30, 40 footer. Two degrees open, you've missed your target. Three degrees, you're in the rough and or the trees and four degrees, you're off the golf course. So the question is, how in the world is it that those touring pros and club pros and high-level amateurs can make that solid contact and keep the ball somewhere close to their intended target on a regular basis. So the premise that people have been taught so far is all you have to do is make sure your swing looks like Louis Wusthuizen or Adam Scott. And if all your limbs are moving exactly perfectly correctly, it's going to work. Oh, it didn't work that time? <clears throat> What we need to do now is we need to get you on video and put you right next to the model and try to see which parts of your limbs aren't working properly. This process has never worked and it cannot work because it's not scientifically valid. It's not the real reason why those really good players got good. So let's just pause as well because I want to make this uh – I mean, because I've I've had the benefit of you know talking to you and reading about this stuff, and and Tim and I have been sort of talking a little bit about you. But I just want to set this up. Uh, I was going to say set the table, but I hate broadcasters that say that. I was going to say let's just not unpack. Yeah, it, let's not. I mean, and, and we're not unpacking anything. <laughs> but let me just put this in kind of some swing thought terms that we've discussed a lot on this show. You know, I, I when I met Tim, one of the things that you know we had in common is our love of you know golf and immersing ourselves in the culture and we talked about all the lessons we've taken and the books that tim's written and the pros that i've gotten to play with and if there was ever two guys and i'll just speak for myself with this part if there was ever a guy that tried every mechanical <laughs> like nobody could have hit more balls or had like i the joke i always say ron is that that scene in tin cup exactly when 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 kevin costner comes out on the range and he's wearing all that stuff Stuff. Everyone laughed, and I was like, got it, have it, used to have it, had it. So I, I, as a guy that's tried to move his biomechanical, you know, my meat, tried to move the meat sack in a, in a profoundly, you know, uh, poetry, perfect way, I can tell you it's impossible. But I, I, until we've started doing some of the work together, Tim and I, I couldn't have told you what it is I was doing Correctly, but one of the things that Ron's about to talk about, swing thoughters, is that we it, it's a little bit of shoemaker. One of the things that shoemaker does that I love is that he takes his students and he films them on their first day. They feel uncoordinated and awkward. Then he has them do that throw the club drill, and they look like tour pros. Exactly. All their impact positions, their clit, their their hips are clearing, their right elbows near their all that stuff. That, again, I tried. You know, my ex-wife used to come downstairs and I'd be there. I had lines on a mirror. I had video set up. She'd go, oh, great. You, could you leave golf lab long enough to have dinner? <laughs> Put the trash out. <laughs> so, Ron, the question we all, want to, we all want to get to is if it's not positions and, and pressure mats and track man and slow motion video and the Konica Minolta swib hub, swib, <laughs> whatever that is, biz hub, swing <laughs> thing. Costner. What Costner. is it? Costas. Costas. What is it? What it is is human motor skill learning, which Dr. Gabrielle Wolf talks about, by focusing on what you're intending to do and trusting that your brain has an ability to figure things out on their own. See, isn't that brilliant? You see, <clears throat> everything that we do from a from a biomechanical movement 
process was learned instinctively without thought. So when you were about, I don't know, three months old and you're laying on the, on the carpet and your parents shake a rattle in front of your face and put it, put it beside you to get you to start figuring out how to turn over, your conscious attention was something shiny. How do I get to it? That's still my attention. That's me on the range. <laughs> right? So what happens is your conscious attention is focused on, I need to get to that. Then in the background, your subconscious starts to experiment with how do I use this musculature that I have, contract this muscle, relax this muscle to simply move my arm to get to that. So then what happens is we figure out how to turn over. And then we start moving our limbs around and figure out how to crawl. Then we start holding onto the couch, stand up, we try to balance, and then we walk because just through observing other people doing what they're doing. And what ends up happening is instinctively, without being aware of any of it, we develop motor movement patterns for walking or running or jumping. And we change what we do without thought. Uh, we don't have to think about contract the, the hamstring, relax the, the, the quadricep, et cetera, to walk. And the interesting thing is that everybody walks in exactly the same manner. The legs and the arms swing opposite to each other. Do you see anybody walking down the street where their right arm and their right leg swings forward together at the same time and the left arm does the same on the other side? That is a completely ineffective way to walk and we always find the most effective way to get things done. Now, translating this to golf, when you ask Rory when he started golfing, he'll tell you 18 months. Tiger, two. Uh, Bubba Watson, Tom Watson, six. All these high-level golfers, the, invariably, they start as very young kids. So the advantage that they have is even if their parents are telling them all about put your head here and do this with your elbow, etc., they're not listening because it's way too – abstract and they don't understand it for a kid so they they do the self-evident task well i have a weird looking stick there's a ball sitting on the ground let me observe the other people doing it uh-huh okay so you swing it up over your shoulder here you swing it the other way and you try and whack the ball with it good let me try that and so what ends up happening is the brain and body with that subconscious uh learning process called implicit learning just instinctively figures out the most effective way to do it now, here's the interesting thing. No two human beings walk identically, which is why with the security apparatus now, if they can film you for about five steps, they can put you in a program called gate recognition software and they can track you anywhere you go hmm. because you have a unique walk. Now, since you have a unique walk, guess what you're also going to have? Unique golf swing. A unique golf swing. Ten points. So, Nice job, you, Timmy. Thank you. Can you name me the only man who's ever broken the the 60 barrier and shot in the 50s twice? Jim Furyk. Jim Furyk. I was going to say that, but it seemed points. obvious. <laughs> Go ahead. take. Please, enjoy Howard. yourself over there. Howard, it's okay. It's okay. Don't. Listen, I'm not the one that's got competitive issues. Let's be serious. <laughs> Ten points, Tim. Please yeah. go on. Uh, Ron. Yep. Um, Sorry, we're being we're, we're being immature. Uh, so you're going to say about Jim Furyk? You're you're having fun, and that's the whole point. Well, one Just of us you. is. <laughs> <laughs> so yes, Jim Furyk's swing is unique, or yes. so it seems. Yes, and yet he's found a way to put the ball in the hole under sixty twice. He only got to do that on the PGA Tour. 
Yes. And you would have thought that Adam Scott or somebody else would be able to do that. One of the funniest things I remember seeing back in 2014, uh, Bubba Watson was in contention in the Masters and so was Adam Scott. He just won the year before. And at the halfway point, they were both in contention. So they asked Brandel Chambly, so who do you think is going to win the Masters? And, and Brandel said something like, well, Bubba's in contention, but you know, I think Adam Scott's going to do it. He's just got a Maserati golf swing. And there's no possible way he's going to lose it because of his Maserati golf swing. And, of course, who wins it for the second time? Bubba. Bubba Watson, right? So let's – So, we, Ron, I want to just – Oh, okay. All right. You, may I? Yeah, okay. Ron, okay. let me just say – I got the points, so you need to gain some points. Yeah, okay. I don't really need anything right now. I feel great. <laughs> um, Ron, so yeah. let's, let's talk uh, – rather than you um, – I, I think we have a sense that, you know, golf – swings are unique and i think that golfers feel a sense that maybe there's another i know i know my personal experience a lot of golfers experience has been you know i've spent a, a good amount of time trying to learn this thing and and going for lessons and i've had instructors tell me that if i could just get my my left wrist to be bowed at impact and all those things so what is it that you do in real swing golf that that our listeners can go oh that's something that's a little bit different. I mean, we had – now, remember, anyone listening to this has, has got the background of hearing us talk to Gabriel Wolf, and there's an external sense of maybe the, the way that we teach is, is backwards because you can't – as you said in, um, in one of your videos, if somebody hits a bad shot, could you identify the body part that went, went awry? And even if you could, what could you do about it? I think my deltoid was contracted. Right, or, or as Ron's one of your examples I thought was brilliant, which is, you know, the classic, oh, you lifted your head. Did I? Yeah. How much exactly? exactly? Three quarters of an inch? Half a uh, foot? How much? So what is it you do that's different? What I do is I basically get people focused, as Dr. Wolf says, externally on the task. You see, when people talk about a golf swing, they talk about, well, let's look at Tiger's golf swing. Let's look at Jim Furyk's golf swing. They swing identically. Bold no, I haven't lost, no, I haven't lost my mind. They swing Oh, I disagree. <laughs> <laughs> you mean an impact, Ron? No, I mean the swinging motion. Hmm. They Every good golfer that you see, if you could somehow with modern uh, video technology just blot out the body parts and just have a club swinging in space, you would see that they all swing freely, fluidly, fast. So the golf swing is what the club is doing. The biomechanical movements and positions that happen during the swing, that's not the golf swing. But the way golf is traditionally taught is – your golf swing is wrong because you don't look like such and such. Right. Well, you're never going to look like Tiger or whoever because you're not Tiger. Your body's going to find its own comfortable way to move. And so what I do is I get people swinging the golf club and focusing their full attention on what the club is doing. Most people are busy trying to keep track of some limb somewhere to make sure it's moving properly. And here's why that's uh, uh, basically a waste of time. Because you have to be so precise with impact, just a half an inch, you're going to hit it on the bottom of the face. And if you chose just the right club to clear the water, you're in the water. Now, blaming that your spine angle shifted and you came up and out of the shot and that your head is lifting is pointless because it would have been half an inch. So I often do this thing with people where I'll have them stand motionless in a golf stance, tilted forward without a club. And then I say, okay, now stand upright. So they're, they shift upright. So well, how many degrees change was that? 
about 15, 20 degrees. How far did your head lift up? Uh, about six inches. And then I asked him, okay, so what I want you to do now is I want you to lift your head three quarters of an inch. And what people, most people do when they try to tip themselves up three quarters of an inch, they lift up by about three or four inches and change by two or three degrees of spine angle change and, and then don't even come remotely close. So then I show them, I try it myself and it's even hard for me to do. I try to lift my head by three quarters of an inch and uh, I get pretty close, but I don't even know if it's three quarters of an inch. And all it took was that half of an inch change in your head position to hit it a little bit thin. So the premise that we're just these biological machines that have to be positioned exactly the right distance to the ball, set up to the ball exactly properly, and so on and so forth, has always been a false premise. Let me give you a quote here from uh, Padraig Harrington. Um, I got this from Golf Channel, a Golf Channel article a little while ago. And the article goes, Padraig Harrington has been accused sometimes of tinkering his way out of top form. Here's a quote from Padraig, quote, you will find more PGA Tour pros are non-tinkerers than are tinkerers. So in other words, the exact opposite of you, Howard. Yeah. He said, there are very few that actually tinker. There are probably, listen to this number, 10 of us. And the rest are much more of the mindset of not really thinking too much about their game whatsoever. So if you're looking for a character trait to make it as a professional, the guy who doesn't think too much has got better odds. Yeah. Well, you know, it's funny. Tim, we was going to just jump in here a second. But, you know, in the 40 years I've been around the game of golf, I've uh, somebody told me this a few years ago, that golf pros are either one of two groups. They're either really, really smart or really, really dumb. Tim, what would yeah. you like to say? <laughs> Well, I just want – so, Ron, it's, you've uh, set the table very nicely. Uh, Let's unpack it. <laughs> exactly. We're getting into our pet peeves of words that drive us around the bend. But um, so standard – so to relate for our, for our listeners, the standard thing is, is internal focus, turn the left hip or put the elbow here and there. When you're talking about external focus, you're talking about being focused on, on say, the club head, the thing you're the, on the club shaft, maybe your hands on the club. Speak to, speak to us about how putting their focus, their consciousness, rather than on directing their body to do something, putting their consciousness on, say, the club head. Because I think that for a lot of people, that might be, as simple as it sounds, a radical notion. Well... The, the reason why I brought up these tour pros, the vast majority of them don't really know what their bodies are doing when they're swinging because they were just little kids like me feeling this weighted mallet at the end of a sledgehammer whirling around through space and they just tried to make contact with the ball. So in the background, just like they instinctively learned to walk through implicit learning, they instinctively figured out the best way to get the club head on the ball without really being aware of it. Uh, there's uh, shortly after Rory won the 2012 PGA Championship, he was interviewed by, um, what's his name, Charlie Rose, CBS. And the interview basically went like this. He said, Rose asked him a question. So Rory, you've got this massively fast hip turn. They've even done scientific studies and clocked it. It's one of the fastest in the game. Is that anatomical? Is that just that you've been doing this for so long or is it something else? And here's Rory's answer. I'll try to quote him as best as I can. He said, you know, I think it's just that I've done this for so long. As far as my hips go, he goes, I think, um, you know, um, 
You know, I've never tried to do this move with my hips that everybody talks about. It's just something that's completely natural, something that I've had since I've started to play. Rose didn't buy into it. So Rose, the journalist, says, so let's say you want to hit the ball 50 yards farther with your drive. You don't think about turning your hips faster to do that? Rory said, no. I just think about hitting the ball, trying to hit the ball a little harder. And when I try to hit the ball a little harder, this thing with my hips just happens. I, you know, I'd never think about it. I just try to hit the ball harder and the hips just turn that little bit faster. So Charlie, so, Ro- so Charlie Rose is a lot like our average golfer. He's focused on something like the hip turn. We've watched it with, with Rory. We've watched it with – so golfers are trying to do these things, like move their bodies a certain way. Are what I want to get to is that what is the different thing that, that you are inviting golfers to do? Is that, is that the feel that club head? Where, what are you, what's the different thing that you're asking them to experiment with? Where does the sense of feel or consciousness go? Well, just like all these good golfers grew up to become the tour pros and club pros and the people we see on TV, when they were little, their attention was fully focused on the club swinging and striking the ball. They weren't thinking about technique or angles or positions. You've, or established, you've established that, Ron. So the people who are listening, where are, where are you asking them to put their attention? I'm asking them to put their attention on the task, which is swing this club and strike this ball. I remember in your, in your podcast with Gabriel Wolf, you, you, you joke, okay, so we've got the uh, number one scientist in the world about motor skill learning, and she says, just hit the ball. Yeah, I love that. Right? And you go, well, but how? Well, think of Fred Shoemaker. He does that club throwing exercise. And what he does is he videos people at the beginning how they swing. And then he has them throw the club. So where does their attention go to? When they were being filled in the before video, their attention, like most people, is on, okay, so I got to swivel my shoulders, tilt my, keep my spine tilt, rotate my hips fast, keep the cock the angle and the wrist on the downswing. And this should somehow make the club swing free, fluid, and fast and strike with incredible precision with a perfectly square face, right? So then Fred says, okay, forget a golf ball. What you're going to do is you're going to take this golf club, wind up, and hurl it down the fairway as far as you can. Now, what is that? That is an externally focused intention. I'm going to do something with this club. So then the brain and body just instinctively figures out the most effective way to do it in the background. So the subconscious is doing all the trillions of calculations as to how to move the body in the most effective way to propel the club down the fairway. And then when you look at it on video, hey, wait a minute, that looks just like a golf swing. So basically I do Fred Shoemaker's club throwing swing, but with, with, uh, with hitting the ball. And I was watching some of the, uh, if you want to go to Ron's uh, YouTube page, it's pretty remarkable, the before and after shots. Oh, yeah, these kids. Of of these students of yours. Um, And it's hard for the average golfer listening because we're so caught up in, you know, and and it's, it's one of the reasons that we've been talking about the idea that the paradigm of instruction is so weird in golf because we we golfers go to the course each day hoping that some semblance of our motion will show up. The correct motion. The correct motion. And and because we're always trying to be correct against a model that is maybe not, like as you said, Ron, all of us are different. 
And yet golf would have us believe that in order to be any good at this motion, we all have to be the same. So that's interesting what you said about Shoemaker. In terms of the idea of the club and the ball being really all there is. So it's a bit of a radical notion for somebody listening going, well, I'm going to the golf course tomorrow. Iran says I just have to hit the ball. But if you watch some of Ron's stuff on YouTube, you'll see him doing it. And, and you know, and I would say I challenge yourself to go and try and hit some shots without really thinking too much because after the amount of time most people listening have been playing, we've got enough hand-eye coordination built into our sort of proprioceptor system to actually hit a golf ball without worrying where our left elbow is. You see, and this is where this is where golfers go wrong because whenever they strike the ball improperly, they're certain that something has gone wrong with the mechanics of their swing. When I was at All Reds, uh, I happened upon they had stacks of golf magazines, and I happened upon this one. Uh, it was from uh, 1977, and the title of the article was "You Do Swing the Same Way Every Time." When people miss hit the ball, they make a presumption that, well, I must have, for yeah. example, they fat. They think, oh, I, I must have dropped my shoulders or my knee flex changed or something like that. So in this article with the technology they had at the time, they set up this Polaroid camera and uh, a shutter sensor. So that as the club passed the sensor, it would trigger the, the shutter and then it would take a picture. And what they would do is they would leave the film in the camera person who hit a second shot would trigger another image so the two images would be would be basically uh, superimposed on top of each other so the premise behind it was we'll have a player hit one shot and then another shot and if they're different if the shots are different we should see differences in how the body looks at impact so they asked mark hayes who was a, uh, one of the pga tour players at the time to slice one ball and hook the other one so that they could then look at the picture and see the differences in how his body moved, causing the two different shots. When you look at the picture, you can't tell that there's two different swings. Even down to the ripples on his pants, it looks identical. Yeah. Now, the ball is a little bit blurry because the ball went a little high with the fade and a little low with the hook. And there's a very slight blur with the hands, but you cannot see anything else. So... And the funny thing is, even with average golfers, it was the same. They were a tiny bit more blurry, but your body will move the same. In fact, if you look down a range, uh, you can see your friend's swings because they have a unique swing, and it's always the same. It never changes. And the reason why you can't really tell any differences is because of those tiny little tolerances. You're just a quarter of an inch away from not too bad shots, right? Right. So the, the idea is a lot of golfers will hit a thin one or a fat one or some kind of one and then think, oh, well, I guess I didn't, I wasn't perfect. Didn't clear my hips. Or against whatever. the model of yeah. golf. You know, Ron, we've been, uh, this has been an interesting conversation as I knew it would be. Um, people want more information. They can get a hold of you at realswinggolf.com. Calm, I believe, is it? Yep. And um, in our final couple of minutes here, um, I mean, it's frustrating, I, I guess, as an instructor. A lot of instructors are frustrated because everyone is leaving this game because it's really because we've made it seem too difficult for them. In our, in our last couple of minutes, maybe you could talk about that and then we're going to have to let you go. Sure. The reason why it's become difficult is because scientifically it can't work. Dr. Wolf is, is, uh, is, is showing that scientifically. 
when your attention focuses on what are my limbs doing, you lose all touch with the thing that matters. Uh, when you watch it on my homepage, I have the before and after with these golfers who, brand new golfers, juniors, right? And in an hour, suddenly, like you said in, in the previous podcast, Howard, they look like golfers. Like, what happened? What did I teach them? Essentially, I just help them understand to keep, take their mental attention off of themselves. They have to ignore themselves completely and just swing the club in a whirling circle, sense and feel the weight of it making an arc through space, trust your brain's ability to, to whirl it and, and strike accurately. Stop guessing at all the parts. Now, in terms of – and what, what ends up happening in an hour – is these golfers, all of the movements, they start to look more like tour pros moves. So you see golf instruction has it backwards. The, the body movements don't swing the club. Your intention to swing the club in a particular fashion, your body figures out the movements on their own without you being aware of it. So that's, and that's basically... And that's the key right there, isn't it? It's, it's our intention. It's not... As you say, and that's like one of the key things, Ron, in, in your work, is that all this focus on the body mechanics uh, is, in fact, impairing our ability to hit the ball rather than our intention just to hit the darn thing. You know, one of the... It's, Tim's totally right. One of the things I've heard recently, and, and I'm not sure if it was a Ron thing or one of my other friends who had a, a great phrase, he said, the, the shot creates the swing. The swing doesn't create the shot. And at a, at a higher level... I say this respectfully that, you know, if I have to curve a, 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 a six iron around a tree and hit it low and all those things, I haven't got time in that moment to tell my body all the things it needs to do. I just, you know, feel that swing and then I somehow or my body knows that this is my brain's intention, that that's what I'm going to do. Yeah, it- like I, I sent you a link to my what I call my Happy Gilmore call shots. Yes. yes. Basically, I run at the ball and I hit it like Happy Gilmore and I have someone call out what they want to see. And I can fade it, hook it, slice it. The guy called a shank on me once and I shanked it as, as well um, because my, att- my attention is on just the path of the club into the ball, how I have to orient the face and the path relationship to create the shots that I want. And it's to me hitting a shank is absolutely fun. I love hitting shanks. Oh, do you? <laughs> that, wow, really? Okay, you really have evolved beyond our level. Listen, we got to let you go, but you, you have your guitar there. Um, yeah, what were you gonna do with the guitar? This is the last thing we need because we have to move on, Ron. I mean, this has All been right. great, but uh, 45 minutes is our limit with any guest. <laughs> All right, so. <laughs> The reason I, I kind of brought my guitar along is because golfers seem to think that if you just put your fingers here, there, and the other place, you're going to end up with uh, with some sort of a skill. But I started guitar when I was 12, and I saw Stevie Ray Vaughan in 1986, or 1985. Uh, I had heard Pride and Joy on the radio and stuff like that, and he came on stage and launched into this thing. It took me 20 years, (laughs) 20 years to get to the point where I could have enough skill to be able to do that. 
And golf is a game of motor skill. It's basically a hand-eye coordination task. You have a funny-looking stick, a motionless ball. You swing the stick, you hit the ball. And your swing might look like Jim Furyk or it might look like who knows what. But you don't have to obsess over all the little intricacies of technique because those things are not the actual problem. The problem is you're not aware of the club because you're busy thinking of all your limbs and you're not, you're not developing any skill with it. And here's, in my view, the reason why golf is, is gradually dying. See, the baby boomers took up golf in the 80s, thought they would get better at it within a few years, didn't, and by about 2000, they started going, you know, that one solid shot that I fluke out every once in a while, not even that's bringing me back anymore. This is just so frustrating. I tried lessons. I tried this. There's no point to this. I'm, I'm not going to bother trying to find the time or the money to play this because it's just too frustrating and I can't figure it out. And that's why the game is dying. Yep. And as the I would game agree. Is, as the game has become uh, taught in a more complex, even more scientific way, it's not making golfers better. It's making them worse. Well, if, so, if go ahead. And so this is why, this is why golfers struggle so much. My, my, my dream, my end goal in, in all of what I'm trying to do with Real Swing Golf, is to eliminate all of these golf folklore wisdoms that golfers tell each other. If you just keep your head still, your knees bent, your arms straight, it's going to work for sure. Oh, you lifted your head? Oh, really? Tell me how much, right? And the other thing, the other mission that I have is to try to make golf fun for people. And it's just not fun for people, and that's where that's where people are falling down. Well, that's what I was going to say. If golf was yeah. any other product, it would have gone out of business a long time ago. Because, Absolutely. as you just explained, you know, a lot of people took it up when, oh, I, I'd like to enjoy this, but, man, it's, you know, I've... I have somebody said, you know, he's, you know, some of my instructor said it's three to four years. I don't have three to four years before I start enjoying this. <laughs> exactly. Okay, well, this is wrong. We got to let you go. Um, I, I hope they, this won't be the last time we speak. Yeah, there's so much stuff there. Fascinating. Uh, RealSwingGolf.com. Check out Ron on uh, YouTube, and I uh, hope this was enjoyable for you too, sir. Absolutely, it was a lot of fun. Thank you guys very much. All Thank right, you, my Ron. friend. There's Ron. Okay, I'm going to hang up. Bye. Ron's gone on Skype. All right. Wow. There's a lot, I told you. I told you I had a lot of stuff to say. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, yeah, folks, check out his um, his videos. There's one I just love. There's like, she's about a 15, 16-year-old girl, and you watch, you watch her take a swing, and she just, oh, she, you hear this big clunk, so she's hit it into something of a dead left. And he goes, Ron says, how long have you been playing golf? She goes, about five minutes. <laughs> and then... The, the after video yeah. and she takes this swing and wow she looks like she could be on the LPGA tour and it so it wasn't that he he imparted any magical stuff about you know shifting your weight or anything he had her focus on you know on a rhythmic swing hit the ball out there and she could do it just like anyone else who's listening can do it well that's what shoemaker kind of proves in that that drill yeah and, and you know i mean you've you've been to fred's uh camp in person but i remember reading that the first time i read his book um fearless extraordinary golf. extraordinary golf the idea that we have this feeling as golfers of being uncoordinated or broken you know, broken yeah, yeah. swing isn't good if i could just fix my swing that i'd be holds a human being <laughs> or i'm sorry that's just me nirvana um <laughs> But th that we that somehow golf makes us feel less than as athletes, 
And and Shoemaker and now Ron, it's a paradigm shift, as you've been saying, to, you know, we're it's it's not all about making perfect golf swings. I mean, we've been saying that for years that, you know, some of your golf's a sloppy game. And some of your best rounds have been, you know, when you haven't hit it great. You just managed to, to learn how to play the game a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. And he's so right, man. We're not getting a lot of new golfers anymore. We're not getting a lot of older people that go, you know, I don't have... 15 years to invest in this and worry about your swing plane and I'm, I'm on track and what's my smash factor there's just way too much going yeah. on there and it just makes it so hard to for people to understand that really you know i've got and you can work and work and work and get to like a 10 and then think how am i ever going to get to a six or to a four to scratch there's just this mountain of skills that i have to have to learn and oh my god and it, it's just not that hard i mean it's it's interesting um i just through my own trial and error i've learned that um you know i take my i can see out of the corner of my eye sometimes when i take the putter back it goes like outside the line so what mm-hmm. <laughs> i can still make a lot of putts with with that technically imperfect putting stroke well the reason you can is because your your brain will make, the, as he said, the multitude of calculations to get the face square. I mean, you know... Based on intent. Yeah, based on intent. Like, I'm, I'm, you think about some of the old-time PGA Tour pros that, you know, I can't remember exactly who it was. It basically had a little bit of a loop to their putting stroke. It, it'll oh, come to Billy me. Mayfair. Yeah. How did you know? That's why we're bud. I've been around a while. He, he has that weird... Yeah. He would take it outside almost... And then shove it across and, and made lots of putts. And George Lowe would hook putts. Right. Um, it's interesting, too, because since I uh, sort of discovered him sitting here waiting for you a couple of weeks ago, I'm talking about Ron now. And I, and I talked to him the other day just to get him ready for this, and I had a question. But, you know, it, m- my golfing motion, I don't really think about it too much anymore. You know, little things from time to time about, you know, I'm hitting it this way and I've got enough a crude knowledge, but he's kind of freed me up a little bit to go, you know what? I, I have a good hand-eye coordination because I've been doing this for 45 years. Mm-hmm. So I can put the club on the ball really without thinking too much about my weight shift. And I'd invite you all listening to give yourself a little, you know, have fun the next time you're out hitting balls and just see if you can hit it without really thinking about it too much. And I think you'll be surprised. Yeah, and I'm going to add to that. So here's what I'd, I'd love you to try, Swing Thought People, is is just go out to um, you know, the practice screen at, at a course or club you play at and really try and feel the weight of the club head. Yes. Take your take your sand wedge or your lob wedge, the heaviest clubs in your bag, and just try and feel that club head and just maintain hit shots, little chips, little pitches, and maintain, after the ball's gone, maintain the focus on the club head. And you'd be amazed how well you can hit the ball and that your your focus doesn't have to be where you've had it, you know, throughout <laughs> probably as most people, whereas that I have to do this, you know, keep my left wrist uh, firm, right wrist bent, all that type of stuff. When you focus on the club head, a lot of good things just happen kind of naturally. That's right. Well said, Coach Tim. Tim, uh, the uh, head golf coach for the Guelph Gryffindors. <laughs> um, and, not, and not to be confused with the Slytherin people. That's right. They're arch rivals, the Slytherins. Um, also, Tim O'Connor. 
at O'ConnorGolf.ca. And for you, mirth and merriment, make sure you listen to the Humble and Fred Radio.com. Humble and Fred Radio around North America on right. Sirius XM each and every uh, weekday. Not with the children, though. Except when I'm playing golf. Uh, I don't know. How much time do you have? you have to go? Where, you, where are you going? Split. I'm going to Toronto Golf Club to play today. Are you really? What yeah. time? Um, well, I'm supposed to have lunch in about five minutes. <laughs> Wait, we, okay, well, you're late. No, I, well, no it's my, my little calendar thing shows 12.15. And so, I'm, so you're lunching at 12.15. What time are you teeing it off? I don't know. It's a nice golf course. Who are you yeah. playing with? Uh, Tracy Lewell. She's, um, she's been a friend of mine for years and years. She was with Golf Canada magazine way back when. Nice. And, and um, she's uh, getting back into the golf business. So Beautiful. Gonna, yeah. That's so just gonna, over here. You're like 15 minutes away. Exactly. We're going we're gonna to do lunch and play golf. No Toronto time. Golf no. is a great course. Oh, and they, I was talking to somebody about it yesterday. They've been done, revamped it there because they're playing the, uh, I think the Canadian Amateur. Yeah, or, or something. Yeah, Some I, big tournaments coming up. There. I think that is, Reese Jones might have been the. Did he do the redo? I'll have to find out from. Do Tracy you uh, do you have room for the Hellman? <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm I just haven't got an invite. Kidding. I haven't. I haven't got an invite from you to play yet this That's year. That's bull. We're playing on June fifth. I invited you. Yeah, because I can't go. I'm playing, and uh, I'm going to be playing in the Scottish Open. Oh, that's, no, that's a true story. That's our member guest. You can't play our member. You guest invited me when. That's for July 14th, I think. Yeah, I can't play that because I'm going to be in London. I mean, Scotland. I was sad at first, but now I got my friend David Couch playing. Oh, yes. He's a really good player, too. Is he? Yes, he is. Is he really? Yeah, yeah. David, like Super David? Yes. He's a good player? Yeah, you played with him. Oh, that guy, not other other guy. Yeah, David, he's a good guy. Yeah. He's a good player. Absolutely. I play with him. Yeah, he's a lot of fun, yes. Yeah, you'll have fun. Okay. All right, so. This has been fun. Listen, man, I think we learned a lot today. We did. More There's great learning. Of, it's all about the learning, right? Yeah. And uh, I'll let you go because I know you got stuff to do. You're a grown up. People to see. Uh, all right, kids. Uh, thanks for listening. Brought to you by TaylorMade, number one driver in golf. Now owned by KPS Capital Partners. Excellent. Sold the day after TaylorMade signed Roy McElroy. Cool. Yeah. And of course, uh, also brought to you by Club Link, Glenn Karen, and. Uh, Blue Springs. How'd your boy Ronan do yesterday? Did he qualify? I haven't checked in with Ronan. I'll have to do that. Was he at my site or somewhere else? I think somewhere else. All right. Well. And Brad Chillette was uh, one of our swing thoughters, was quali- trying to qualify for the mid-am, too. Yeah, I, I tried to qualify yesterday. and uh, Oh, this is the crisis. We're, we're, like, uh, you know, you got to go. You go with your friends. You go and do your thing, Tim. You'll suffer in silence. Don't worry about me. Oh, bogey, no. bogey, bogey, finish. All right, listen. We'll see you next time. Are we going back to every week or every two weeks still? I can't remember. Two weeks. All right, son. All right, take Bye. care. Bye. Bye. Bye.